to the Chis Ascendancy Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Chis Ascendancy. We are on episode 99. Can you believe that? We are almost to 100. And if I'm not mistaken, I think we timed it perfectly. So we are going to be reviewing Ahsoka Part 5, Shadow Warrior, tonight. And by the time this is out, uh, we'll be waiting urgently and patiently and passionately for Part 6 on Tuesday, September 19th. Uh, we're recording this late on the 18th, had to find some time in the sketch uh, to fit us both in, but we made it happen because we are loyal to you, the fans, the listener, the <laughs> absorber. And so uh, here we are, Bless we're getting you. ready to jump into it. And so let's just jump right off the bat. So we are talking about Ahsoka Part 5, Shadow Warrior, which is uh, a freaking amazing, the best Star Wars that we've gotten uh, in a really freaking long time. And so I wanted to get your thoughts. If you are new to the channel, we do a five-part review. Uh, we talk about the beef of the episode, what we saw, what we didn't see, what we liked, all those kinds of things. We rate it, standout moments, new characters, and part five, we get into every Chiss Ascendancy podcast fan's favorite part, the speculation, or as many of our listeners like to call it, the prophecies. And the thoughts so from wild space, if you will. The, yeah, the, the thoughts from wild space. So let's jump into it. Samuel, walk us through this episode and jump into your rating, if you would, sir. My goodness. Um, I, I honestly have no idea where to begin because there's so much to unpack in this episode. Um, we see Ahsoka, like Jonah before her, transported to another mm. land via the mouth of a great fish. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. we see Anakin basically being the, the master that we get from Clone Wars towards the end of his little tenure there. And yeah, we see Ahsoka therefore becoming the Jedi that she was meant to be under his tutelage. Um, we get to see live action clones. We get to see Anakin in this Clone Wars armor. We get to see so much, so much, so much. Um, it's really hard to figure out even where to start mentally. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was absolutely phenomenal. It was pretty much anything I could have asked for. Um, I think I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the, nah, no, actually I'm up at 9.7, 9.7 for this episode. Okay. Okay. The only thing that can make it a 10 is a little appearance from, you know, who, you know, uh, who I keep, I keep it high, but dude, seeing live action Rex, seeing, uh, Ahsoka transported to her, it was, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Legend of Korra. I don't know if I make a lot of Avatar uh, references, but Legend of Korra, when she goes to the spirit world and she uh, yes. is basically kind of figuring out what it means to be like spiritually strong. And in her own mind, she's like little Ahsoka or uh, little, little Korra where she's, you know, right. a child, like you right. said in the very first. And it's like Ahsoka is now, you know, she's a Padawan again. She's basically back in the back seat. She's not in charge of her own little learning. And I think it, it was just enough like humbling and enough of a repose for her to kind of step into full what she's meant to be um, yeah. as a Jedi. So we start our episode and um, basically a couple of things are going on. So Ahsoka, as we know from the end of part four, is in the world between worlds and Anakin is there waiting for her and we were wondering mm -hmm. is that really anakin is it a is it a vision is it the dark side what's going on yada 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 it's our job to guess right we have to um but it is anakin and so she's there that's where we spend a lot of our episode focusing on her focusing on her time mm -hmm. and with the real world if you will you've got hera and Jason, Chopper, Hu Yang, all of them wondering what's going on with her, looking for her all the while the New Republic is coming to Setos to figure out what's going on, kind of put a halt to everything happening and wondering why Hera's away, you know, not unannounced, but un, uh, unallowed. Uh, she's like, well, you know what? I'm a general. I'm going to do what I want. And <laughs> love it. So 
but really the meat of the episode is Ahsoka is finishing the training that she didn't finish with Anakin and it couldn't be more beautiful or more perfect because it's the perfect version of Anakin mm-hmm. and it was so crazy. I mean, honestly, this is probably the best episode of live action Star Wars, if not the best 40 minutes of live action Star Wars we've gotten since George Lucas sold it to Disney. And I know that's like a big deal. Um, but honestly, if you think about it, I cannot think of a better 40 minutes of live action Star Wars. Like it's up there. The now. Force Awakens was amazing. Saw it five or six times in theaters. The Last Jedi had its moments, but they were like, you know, The Last Jedi is a lot of people's departure from Star Wars. That wasn't the Luke Skywalker that they grew up thinking about, reading about, seeing mm-hmm. in comics. And I'm not here to poop on the sequels. Everybody knows I'm a sequels apologist, and I, I think that they have some really good moments in them. Um, but the moments in The Last Jedi that really stuck out, you know, there's some great Kylo Ren stuff. There's some great, you know, back and forth, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Yoda teaching Luke how important failure is, all that kind of stuff. But there's not a 30 or 40 minute segment that's just perfection. I really enjoyed the rise of Skywalker, but again, you're picking pieces and it was so fast paced because JJ's trying to undo stuff that he had set up before that he felt like was negated in the last Jedi. And it's like a back and forth. This is like an uninterrupted 40 minutes of George Lucas speaking through his son, Dave Filoni (laughs) in whom he is well pleased. Pardon my, uh, my heresy, but um, it occurs to me that maybe a lot of my, uh, references to Avatar because of Dave Filoni, since he was largely responsible for the the original Avatar series. Right. And what's crazy is the a lot of the spiritual stuff that's it. in Avatar that kind of does pour over into stuff like Ahsoka is so interesting because George found Dave because he was impressed with Avatar. Right. And, and he was working at Nickelodeon or wherever it was, and everybody knew he was this huge George Lucas fan literally gone to Comic-Cons, dressed as Plo Koon before he was even working for Lucasfilm. And they said, hey, George Lucas is on the phone for you. And he was like, yeah, very funny. You know, it would be like me being at my job, you know, and then being like, hey, George Lucas is on the phone. And I'd be like, yeah, very funny. And it really was George talking about how much he admired Dave's work. And that's how that relationship started. So And I think everybody knows that Dave is the most like George that we have around today. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some, there are some people that get it. You know, JJ Abrams is a great movie maker, but he doesn't get star Wars. Like George Lucas gets star Wars, obviously as the creator. And then you have Kathleen Kennedy, who a lot of people have a negative feelings for. And ultimately Kathleen is more of a producer, more of a businesswoman, less of a, uh, a Star Wars heart, if you will, and then you've got Dave, Favreau, who is just a Star Wars George fan. Lucas. <laughs> yeah, Favreau's a big fan, yeah, but looks to Dave a lot of times. You know, mm-hmm. I think he's a huge fan. I think that someone like uh, Robert Rodriguez, who directed, uh, wrote and directed the book of Boba Fett, huge Star Wars fan but maybe doesn't understand like the little tiny things like Dave does working hand in hand with George for all those years on Clone Wars. Right. So Ahsoka's there. She's there to learn some of those final lessons that she didn't get with Anakin because she walked away. And by the time she thought about maybe coming back to the order, you know, cause there's that part in Clone Wars season seven where you can tell it like feels right for her to be back. It feels right mm-hmm. for her to be following what she believes is the will of the force right. at the time. But and, then well, you also see a lot of her, uh, you know, to kind of parallel that uh, YouTube video that went viral back in our heyday where he's like, I'm not a rapper. I'm not a rapper. Uh, so it was like, I'm not a Jedi. You know what I mean? And so it, it kind of yeah. seems like she and is then does finally, all the Jedi stuff. Right. Finally realizing that maybe she is a Jedi. You know, she's working alongside Luke, who is the Jedi at this point. And, right. you know, she's assuming a Padawan. Uh, willingly or unwillingly for the first time in a very long time. Um, And you kind of see her, you know, be like, oh, maybe, maybe I am a Jedi. Maybe this is me. Yeah. And so there's this final lesson, right? And Anakin says, you can live 
or you can die. That's the lesson. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of fight back and forth. Anakin does the move. You know what I'm talking about? Where he spins it and puts it behind his back, comes back. I was screaming, he did the move. He did the move. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, they're kind of neck and neck. And you kind of feel like Anakin has to be kind of letting her keep up with him at this point. And then Ahsoka's like, it looks like I've, you taught me everything there is to know, you know? And he goes, nope, I didn't teach you everything. And then he cuts off that path. Freaking sick. um, Which is cool. Sends her back in time to uh, a battle early on in the Clone Wars, which I don't know if you picked up on this, but they kind of, I don't know if it was accidentally or on purpose, but they. I assume everything is on purpose at this point. Right, right. They kind of being um, in that battle with the sand and everything with the phase one clone trooper, they kind of recreate the just like the simulations look because oh, yeah. they have all the troopers running through. Just like the simulation. I Which was amazing. It. It's so cool. And so by the end of it, she sees Anakin as Vader and these flashes mm-hmm. back and forth. And the lesson basically is live or die. But I mm-hmm. think, you know, give me your thoughts on this. I'll give you my rating. It's a 10. 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> Just across you know, the board. I freaking loved it. Just across the board, 10s. Hayden Christensen was so freaking good. It was good. so cool. Like, so cool. here's the thing. I-, I think Hayden's a good actor. I think mm-hmm. that in the prequels, right, love him or hate him, George Lucas, he created movies that he wanted to create. Because right. at the end of the day, everybody expects it to be more like Marvel in the sense that it's just a blockbuster, do what you can to get as much money as you can. Mm-hmm. Especially the prequels were not that. The prequels were George Lucas wanted to make some movies and he's an indie filmmaker. So he's like, hey, what if we did a space opera about like political theater and like how it affects the galaxy as a whole? And that's what he freaking did. That's why you're in the Senate. That's why you talk about right. literally your, your opening scene is the Jedi going to negotiate a trade embargo and like lifting uh, you know, a freaking... Uh, blockade like it's all political theater and so george had a vision for what he wanted anakin to look like Mm -hmm. and from his own mouth hayden did a perfect job and so to me it's not hayden's a bad actor it's hayden did exactly what he was told to do and followed the direction of, of the guy in front of him and so hayden's acting was on a whole different level like a whole nother level from anything we've ever seen him do the balance between like when he's in the world between worlds and he is Anakin in the spirit world as a part of the cosmic force and teaching from beyond the grave. And then you see him talk to Ahsoka in the flawed part of himself as Vader and just the balance between back and forth, the, the acting Mm -hmm. depth, like the emotional range that he was able to create the Sith eyes, it was freaking amazing. Um, yeah. So let me ask you this before we get into standout moments, all that kind of stuff, because we can go on for forever. What, you know, there's a lesson that she's supposed to have learned. Mm-hmm. And then by the time it's all said and done, he's like, okay, cool. You've learned your lesson. You've learned what it is you needed to know. And that's when she is released or she releases herself subconsciously or whatever you want to call it. Right. To be back in the actual ocean on Setos to be found by Hera and the ghosts and all them. What is the lesson that you feel like she learned in that moment? I think the lesson is to basically take the good and the bad, right? That she, Anakin says to her, you know, everything that I am is also in you. And I think a lot of Ahsoka's reluctance is what if Vader, you know what I mean? That there right. is, which is what we see in Mando. Yeah, that we see, well, I don't want to train Grogu because he's too powerful. And the last person I knew that was like this, right. it didn't go so well. Right. And so uh, I think it's basically learning to kind of accept the good and the bad and make the most of it. We see a lot of that in um, in the Clone Wars when Yoda is basically trying to follow in the steps of Qui-Gon. And he's doing everything with the wills of the Force. And he has to come to the realization that it's not about suppressing uh his dark side inclinations to whatever degree they might exist it's accepting that they exist and that they are a part of him 
and basically that he doesn't serve them. So it, it's not in as much fighting that aspect of herself as it is recognizing it and moving on anyway. So yeah. I think it's like she can, you know, die while struggling with that or she can choose to live in spite of it. And I think that that's kind of the lesson that we're looking at. And I think especially when it comes to coming in conflict with a character like Isteron, who is so resolute, who is so certain of what he is and what he wants and, you know, everything from the bottom of the list to the top of the list, he's thought it through, he's considered it, he's looked at it from every possible angle. If you're coming up against somebody like right. that, you have to know who you are. You have to know what it is that you're trying to accomplish, what it is that you're actually fighting for. And I don't think that, you know, anybody who's halfway on that is capable of besting him or matching him even. So I think a lot of the character resolution that we're seeing from Ahsoka is what does it take for me to come to terms with my past and my present so that my future can exist as it needs to. So it, it's really cool to kind of see, I mean, uh, I guess in uh, the sequels, we see even uh, in, or, uh, Luke taking lessons from Yoda. You know, after he's right. long since been a Jedi Master, he still has things to learn. So it's very cool to see somebody being solidified again in that sense that, you know, even as a cosmic being, Anakin is still learning and still teaching. So it's, it's I think, the, the long and the short of it is that I think that's the lesson of, you know, not letting the past basically dictate your future by being afraid of it and letting it, you know, rule who you think right. you are or who you could potentially be. Yeah, and I think um, I saw a couple of videos. I sent a few of them to you, but a couple of these guys made a really good point. Um, but one of these guys was talking about how when Ahsoka throws the saber, Anakin has taught her the lesson that Luke taught him. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the thought is that Ahsoka saying she's not a Jedi, she's not a Jedi, she's not a Jedi. And what she really means is, I'm not a Jedi if that means I'm like those people who lost it all and couldn't see past right. their own rules or regulations or how the way things were. And it kind of, I think that's part of the reason of taking her back to the Clone Wars of there are times to be a warrior and there are times to not be a warrior. Mm -hmm. And there are times to do the way, do things the way that you've always done them. And there are times to lean into what the force is telling you. Yeah. I thought and it was very so interesting where he was saying that when Obi-Wan taught me, we were peacekeepers, but now that I'm teaching you, we're warriors. I thought that was a very yeah. interesting dynamic of the life of a Jedi, especially over the course of the clone wars. Cause it, I mean, it was a big tense shift for them. Right. Well, what's interesting about that is it's using a direct quote from Mace Windu in the prequels. Mm-hmm. He says, we're, we're keepers of the peace. We're not soldiers, mm -hmm. you know? And then it turns out freaking Mace ends up being like one of the most, you know, gung-ho generals of them all <laughs> to the, to the point where if you remember from the clone wars, he's kept his, his stats. Like, think about that. Mm -hmm. Mace Windu's quote to, to Palpatine, if I'm not mistaken, we're keepers of the peace. We're not soldiers. And then by the end of it, he's so lost in his war that he's kept the stats of what he's done and how many battle droids he's killed and all kind of stuff. Like it's the only reason that we look at the Jedi and the Republic as the good guys during the clone wars is because that's the vantage point from battlefront. And because it's droids on the other side, like I think right. if there were, if there were people on the other side, which is kind of what you see more in clone wars with some of the militia and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But if, if in the original or in the sequel, prequel trilogy, if instead of droids, it were humans or mm -hmm. even an alien species that has that sentience, we would be like, man, I don't know. This looks kind of bad. These Jedi doing this. Right. But because they're droids, it's like these are the bad guys, you know. So and, and I think that's on purpose. You know, it's a, it's it's on purpose to make you feel that way. But, um, you know, I think that that lesson of sometimes you have to lose to win. And there's this clone trooper that Ahsoka's crying and she puts her arm on him and he reaches over and puts his arm on her, her, his hand on her hand. I was like, dang dude. Like in that moment, like that Dave Floney is such a good, like 
it's like a parable, you know, like when, mm-hmm. you know, from those of you that come from like a religious background or whatever, there's a moment in the New Testament where Jesus' disciples say, why do you tell the people these stories? Why don't you just tell them plainly what you're saying? And he's like, some of them wouldn't understand. So I tell them in parables, but I can speak to you plainly. So right. for those who don't have the time or do want to put in the effort as Star Wars fans, quote unquote, <laughs> to not watch the animated stuff, Dave did in like 10 seconds what the Clone Wars did in seven seasons where Ahsoka puts her hand on that clone trooper and he's not just a robot. He's not just a, yes, sir. He, this human being reaches his hand over and touches her hand, you know, and it's like she yeah. lost a brother in that moment. It's not, he's not just one of, a, of you know, a few hundred thousand with a million more. Right. Like, he's not, it's, he's not a it's digit. that moment that he's you feel watching Revenge of the Sith for the first time after finishing Clone Wars and it's oddball that gets destroyed. Yes. And you know like, what I mean? It's I'm like, go help oh him, my God, you know? oddball. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole it's history there. It's not, just a, it's not just a background character. Yeah, it's watching Clone Wars and growing up watching the prequels. And when Obi-Wan says he's doing his job, you're like, yeah, he's doing his job. Come on, Anakin, get get to the Chancellor. Right. And when you go back and watch it, you're like, okay, but he's your brother, Obi-Wan. Why wouldn't you go help Oddball? <laughs> you know, and you identify yeah. with Anakin in that moment after watching right. the Clone Wars. Right. This is that moment where this clone trooper who's clearly on death's door reaches up and puts his gloved hand on Ahsoka's hand. He right. was like, dude, well, it's not just right that. Thing? It's like him still not rejecting her even after you know their orders were the cause of you know whatever situation led to that injury it was like we're still on the same side you know what i mean right she had a lot of hang-ups about you know it's our fault that they died we you know we lost so many and it's basically the soldier at the same time being like it's cool yeah like we get it we're you know somebody's gotta make the hard decisions i think that's a lot of lesson too is somebody's gotta make the hard decisions I think the lesson, I mean, it could be interpreted so many different ways, but it's like to you are, I think the lesson ultimately was you are a Jedi Mm -hmm. and that means a whole different scenario and a whole different definition from what you were taught growing up. Right. And there are times you feel like it is. Yeah. You know, it's the whole like, you know, Barris Ophi. Exactly. Death. It's a whole, a time to sow and a time to reap. It's like there are times (laughs) to be a warrior and there are time to refrain and look at the bigger picture and see if we're being duped, you know? And ultimately, like the moment where she has him dead to rights and you see a reflection of Anakin slash Vader's lightsaber and you're not sure if it's a reflection or if mm-hmm. it's a moment where she has Sith eyes for just for a split second. It looks like she does. And, then she and that's a cool and she throws cool the thing. saber. You don't see that since the Mortis arc when she gets bit by the sun. So it's kind of a cool like her recognizing, you know, that part of yeah. her because it exists yeah. on some level, right? She was tempted to the dark side and manipulated and controlled by it for a while. Right. So it's, it's kind of neat. It's that moment where she throws it away. And Mm -hmm. this, it was so beautiful that Luke, that lesson of, I don't have to fight or kill to win. Luke won by not killing his dad Mm -hmm. because that's what turned Anakin back to the light. That's what reawoke that part of him. That's the chosen one. And Luke taught that lesson to Anakin who passed on that lesson. Like it's something that's so perfect that Anakin is the chosen one. He's the most powerful character you know, yeah. pretty much ever conceived of the force, all this other stuff. And he was able to learn something from his son based because mm-hmm. his son had that pureness of heart. You know, he had that mm-hmm. Qui-Gon Jinn in him that he chose the light because it was the light, right. you know, Man, even if it would have cool. cost him, if it would have cost him his life in that moment, because it could have, mm-hmm. he chose the light. Right. You know, and Anakin learned from that. And then he passed it along. And another thing I saw, which was so freaking cool was in this episode, we saw Anakin achieve what Palpatine promised him all those years ago by saving someone that he loved from dying. True. And I was like, dang, the freaking, the wisdom, like the force, I don't know. As they say in Britain, truth will out. So <laughs> like just the the good side, the, the force itself really won. Um, so stand up moments. I'm going to just rattle a couple of them off, Adam, if you want. Um, The one that really got me, the one that I was like, just hyped beyond belief. Okay, obviously, 
the move where Anakin does the spin behind his back all the way from those Revenge of the Sith behind the scenes documentaries where Ewan's like, I can't really do this very good, but Hayden's, it's his thing. Uh, they put that in there in the, cor- in the choreography, which I thought was beautiful. Yeah. And then um, a few, you know, I can't remember if it was a year or two years ago, however long, Hot Toys that make the really detailed figurines came out with a Anakin Skywalker from the Clone Wars, you know, specifically with longer hair. And it was, it kind of started this, this chatter in the, in the collecting Star Wars universe, whatever on Instagram and things where it was like, dang, look how freaking cool this looks. The, the Clone Wars outfit with the live ver- live action version of Hayden's mm-hmm. likeness. And people were just talking about it. Man, that's so freaking cool. Man, that's so freaking cool. You know, we just talked about it and, and there's been stuff in the vintage collection, uh, the three and three quarter inch heritage scales, things like that. And we just always thought, cool, this will be, you know, I'll take a little picture of this little, this figure, and that'll be as close as we get to live action Anakin and his Clone Wars armor. Right. And we were so freaking wrong. And the fact that he came in his Clone Wars armor and in the first, in the first battle where they're just like the simulations in that scene, it was so cool because he also had his Clone Wars haircut where it was parted on the side and a little bit shorter as well. I don't know if you noticed that his hair was different too. Yeah, it was different throughout as well when it kind of measured uh, how far along they were as far as battles. And it was an early battle and he's like, oh, it wasn't. I don't recognize this one. His appearance definitely changed in sequence with events. Yeah. So that was really cool. And then you got you got phase one and phase two clone armor Rex. Yeah. It was pretty sweet. So you saw him with the freaking Finn from phase one. And then you saw him and heard Timur Morrison's voice in Phase 2 on Mandalore. Um, just all the live-action Clone Wars stuff. I was just feasting. I was like, dude, there's a freaking, you know, a mall loyalist Mandalorian <laughs> with the freaking horns. It's so cool. Um, that was sick. And it was just just cute enough that I was like, is Ray Park going to be here as Maul? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But they just, they just barely, you know, put a couple of those things in there. Um, but it was so freaking good. Hayden was just uh, like freaking fantastic. And yeah, I the, enjoyed it a lot. The imaging of Hayden as Anakin and then the, the the flashes of war, bombs going off and stuff. And as the light changes, it flickers between him and Vader. Um, mm. Anakin saying, you lack conviction and attacking her was like a very Vader line. But mm-hmm. as Anakin, because um, a lot of people forget that Vader Vader was, this is, I know this sounds stupid, but Anakin was Vader before the suit. So like that, that 10 or 15 minutes in Revenge of the Sith before he fights Obi-Wan, like he's already Darth Vader. He's already that guy, you know, whenever you hear rise, like Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that was in all the trailers leading up to freaking, uh, you know, episode three. And we all were tricked into thinking rise was him standing mm-hmm. up in his armor for the first time, but it was still in his regular self before, you know, the Mustafar incident where he's already Darth Vader. So that was cool to see him as right. Vader without the suit and with the suit, just back and forth. Um, I could just go on for forever, but uh, give me a couple of your standout moments and then we'll go into new characters. There's really just one that's really like, you know, super obvious, but, um, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. I stand up moments. I mean, I think I touched on them a lot in, in the early, uh, portions of the episode, but, you know, seeing Anakin kind of as the Jedi master that he was meant to be seeing, uh, live action clones in the clone wars, even seeing like the, the, um, the Twi'lek, like rebels, you know, in the background while they're discussing, it's all very, very, yeah, the battle of Ryloth. Yeah, yeah, very engaging. So I think that all those little details really added to a lot. Um, Which was then... really cool because I think those are the same, if I'm not mistaken, it looked like the little girl that Waxer and Boyle save in the Clone Wars. I can't remember her name, but she ends up being um, on Ryloth later. Maybe it's in Rebels or something where mm-hmm. her and Hera are, they're kind of fighting the the Empire and those characters are also in Lords of the Sith. 
So that's uh, Numa, maybe is her name. But that it's like right. the third or fourth time we've saw her for those who understand and, and know those deep cuts. So the little baby Twi'lek that was saved during the Clone Wars by Waxer and Boyle and then grows up fighting alongside the clones and then against the Empire on Ryloth and then is also in the very opening chapters of Lords of the Sith, which takes place kind of around Ryloth. Um, yeah. So that was really, really cool. Just another little, you like that? You like a little Clone yeah. Wars action? Yeah. Um, so, you know, just seeing all that and then obviously World Between Worlds, it's a little bit more discovery there. Um, I think that's probably one of the most nebulous concepts in the extended force uh, from the Clone Wars, except for maybe like Mortis. So anything to explore that a little bit more is very neat. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's probably, I mean, aside from seeing the Pergale and, you know, kind of seeing Ahsoka with a little bit more confidence than what you generally see her with post the Clone Wars. Because, you right. know, in her, in her early stages she's you know very confident even to the point of rambunctious and a lot of that i think self-assuredness is lost and so to see her very self-confident and um you know trusting in the force i think that's something that's lost a lot in her older years up until this point so to kind of see that character development you know it's big steps yeah. in a very short amount of time i think that that was really really cool i think it adds to her story a lot because I have not been the greatest Ahsoka fan, you know, throughout the years, but I, I enjoy the character development that I'm seeing very much like how I hated Dooku until we kind of got character redemption through um, Jedi Lost or through mm -hmm. Tales of the Jedi. I think that that really rounded out his story to where he's very endearing to me. So I think it's uh, right. a lot of redemptive qualities coming through, at least for me. Yeah, I, I had seen a couple of reviews and stuff like that, or even... Uh, I'm part of this one group chat where this person was like, the show sucks, blah, 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 blah. It's so flat. Um, they also didn't like this episode, so I really don't know what to tell the person. But um, they were saying like, you know, man, Ahsoka used to be so full of life, this and this and this. And now, you know, I don't know if it's the actress. I don't know what it is, but she sucks. She hates everything. She's, she's a pessimistic. And I was like, she's gone through a little hell, bro. Like, what do you want? You know? Um, <laughs> I used to be optimistic as well, you know? And so, um, but I thought, you know, there were some people that I listened to and like kind of looked to for um, reactions and like, you know, certain podcasts or YouTube channels that I'll be like, did I miss anything? What are their thoughts? Things like that. And they were even saying like, it feels a little bit stale, feels a little bit pessimistic from Ahsoka, who's a pretty mm -hmm. uppity character, bubbly um, especially like just Ashley Eckstein's voice is so positive sounding. Like mm. she could be like, you know, she could be talking about how depressed she is and Ashley Eckstein would sound like she's happy when she's depressed. Right. Um, but seeing Rosario's transformation after that time with Anakin and seeing how she portrayed Ahsoka post that happening, I was like, okay, so yeah, it's actually great acting this whole time. She was supposed to be mm -hmm. a Debbie Downer, and now she's this different person. I loved the transition to, first of all, creepy seeing her face uh, without the little head covering, but seeing a lot of memes about, uh, I thought this was a kid's show, what's with the nudity? And it's just pointing to her freaking, yeah. uh, her head covering not being I saw there. one, it's like, like, are we just going to ignore the nude scene? Or Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but seeing her transform from ahsoka before to the ahsoka we actually see at the very end of rebels mm -hmm. um the the ahsoka that i've been calling ahsoka the white uh because having <laughs> Complete with her little know, white drug rug gandalf yeah gandalf has that moment at the end of fellowship of the ring where he kind of just goes into like the bowels of middle earth fighting the balrog and then when he comes back He's this transformed character. His power mm -hmm. level is increased where he's equal to or greater than uh, Saruman. And, you know, Dave is such a fan of Lord of the Rings. And he likens Ahsoka to Gandalf in, in a lot of ways. And so there's even been little uh, drawings that he's made and stuff just for fun where um, Ahsoka's talking to Gandalf and Gandalf's looking at her and the little speech bubble says, people thought I had died too. Look how that turned out. <laughs> and so I think we've really seen a spiritual like switch flip in her where she's now a different character in the, of course, you know, Hey, you were in seawater for two days or however long, let's get you into something better. Of course, that's like the in universe, you know, whatever. 
but I think it's very symbolic that she's in a new outfit that resembles what Gandalf had when he was back from quote unquote, the dead um, in the twin towers and stuff like that. So um, I think that it's going to be a really interesting thing moving forward. And um, obviously standout character for me, obviously we saw Anakin in part four, but him really in this one, part five was really fantastic. Um, Supposedly, uh, there's a trailer that the Star Wars channel put out that is leading up to this week. Um, and it's and I, apparently there's Anakin's voice in there that we haven't seen yet in part five, so we may mm. not be done with him. Um, I'll and, be done with him in my heart. Right. Uh, but standout characters for me, obviously, like you said, seeing the Twi'leks, seeing live-action clone troopers is just always such a freaking treat. Um, live-action... Mall loyalist Mandalorians, Very but cool. to me the biggest like new character, even though we got him for ten seconds, was um, Phase One and Phase Two armor. Rex was freaking fantastic, and I was super stoked on it. Um, and so that kind of moves us into the what's next category. Um, I'm going to go out a limb mm. here and say tomorrow night we are going to finally get. Grand Admiral Thrawn in live action. We've waited our entire lives. We've waited this entire podcast. Our first episode, I don't even remember what it was. Let me go to our channel. Um, I want to say like January 2021-ish. Was it 2021 or was it 2020? It might have been 2020, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Let's see. Oldest. Okay, I'm on our channel. The Chisholm Sensei Podcast, Episode 1, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker Review, three years ago. <laughs> we're just sitting at Dad's house with your GoPro. Yeah. Um, this is, where can I see the freaking date? It says three years ago. January 27th, 2020. So it's, wow. it's, uh. We should have been a lot more episodes in by now, but it's kind of crazy <laughs> that the universe or whatever has like made it in such a the way force. that the force wills it that our 100th episode, I prophesy, we will be talking about the live action debut <laughs> of His Highness Grand Admiral Thrawn. I would like to acknowledge that we've been talking it. about this way longer than anyone else. Yeah, our podcast is literally called The Chiss Ascendancy. <laughs> Like what? What are we talking about, dude? You and know what so, we're talking about. Uh, you know what it is. Yeah, it's freaking wild. I'm so stoked. Um, I'm excited. And let me throw this out there to you. Um, I sent you a text earlier, mm-hmm. and it was a screenshot from a really, really reliable source. Uh, saw this on Facebook, and. Uh, but it's from it's from supposedly it's from Screen Rant, right? Okay. And um, I'll put this I'll put this on the screen for those who are watching on YouTube, so you can follow along and read it or whatever. But um, this is a quote, and I can't remember what quote this is, what interview or book or whatever this is from. But I I think I've read this or seen this before. But it says the Emperor was convinced that something waited for him out there, some origin of the Force, some dark presence. He said he could feel the waves of it radiating out. He called it a signal, conveniently one that only he could hear. Um, and as part of a screen rant discussion, saying Palpatine sensed, sensed a source of the dark side beyond the galaxy, meaning the known galaxy. Right. Obviously, right now we're getting for the first time ever in the last, uh, came out in 77, so I guess we're at 46 years of Star Wars. So the first time in dang near 50 years, that we've talked about a different galaxy within the Star Wars right. universe, which I, I don't want them to get like super heavy into that. I don't want this to turn into Marvel where it's like we're bouncing off the walls and there's so much stuff that nobody cares anymore. Um, but the thing that's most interesting is at the bottom of that quote, Palpatine sends a source of the dark side beyond the galaxy and in parentheses and Ahsoka's series builds towards it. So, mm-hmm. Here's my thing is obviously based on 
legends material based on everything we know in canon, all that kind of stuff, just who he is as a person, as I understand him, as I've read a billion books and comics and listened to interviews and all that kind of good stuff. Thrawn's not force sensitive. He right. doesn't really care for the force. He doesn't understand the force. It's not really logical, you know, like it would, it's kind of like whenever you're playing monopoly and then someone is losing and they flip the board. Um, Thrawn is the Monopoly player that has a hotel on every freaking property and has you dead to rights and you're having to hand over your properties because you can't pay your rent. And the force is that person that flips the board. Like it's very, (laughs) because it's so unpredictable, you know, Um, things like the Bindu in Rebels, you know, what sort of Jedi devilry is this? All that kind of stuff. Ezra talking to the Pergil, and having them influence the Battle of Lothal, where where he had like five Star Destroyers pointed at Lothal City and was ready to just wipe it off the face of, uh, I guess, the map, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, the Force and Thrawn don't really mix. Like, it's the only thing, I've said this a million times, but Zahn has always said the only thing that can defeat Thrawn is a threat that he doesn't see. Something that's unforeseen. Right. It's the only thing that can is can beat Thrawn. Nothing can when, defeat like, Thrawn head Thrawn to head. too, we see when he is the heir to the empire, one of his greatest ambitions very early on is to neutralize the force. That was one of the things that he set out to do was find a way to get this back under my control. You know, is there a species? Is there something that I can do to manipulate the area around me that I'm beyond its intervention? Yeah. Great freaking cross writing for Timothy Zahn as well to have the Islamiri be from Merker which is the planet where Talon Card bases his stuff out of, which is where we meet Mara Jade. Just amazing. Also, here is this, which is really cool. Um, He's a great writer. So, Love him. You know, the Force is the neutralizer of Thrawn. Let me ask you this. Where tomorrow is six episodes into this Ahsoka mm-hmm. series. Um, we don't know if we're getting a season two. I assume we're getting a season two. The rumor mill has been that all of these movies or sorry, all of these TV shows will culminate in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, is Thrawn going to be the big bad of that movie or will Thrawn end up joining forces with the new Republic against this larger dark side power that we're talking about? And then ultimately the path to the other galaxy where he now is currently at ends up being the safe haven for the Chiss after it's all said and done. Do you think, I mean, obviously there's not a map anymore, but is, can they map it backwards if they go from yeah. there back to the known galaxy? Well, I mean... What are your thoughts? Now that I think Ahsoka's going to be traversing that um, via the Pergil, I don't know that it's necessarily like uncharted territory anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But I, it's really hard to speculate what's going to happen um, as far as which side Thrawn lands on. Um, all of movie show star wars seems to be leaning towards the fact that he's the big bad right um there's always the consideration why isn't he involved you know in the the last order sort of thing um you know he's clearly off the map he would be an incredible resource so i think that this has kind of got to sweep all the pieces off the board setting up room for episode seven um so i don't know maybe he does end up out there you know his goal and ambition and the new Thrawn material is always to um, preserve the Chiss ascendancy, whatever it takes to protect them. He becomes the highest rank he possibly can in the empire so that he can protect the Chiss. He thinks that they're his greatest ally, his greatest um, resource. Clearly right. that didn't pan out. So Thrawn being Thrawn, he is an incredibly single-minded individual. So I see him, you know, if the show pays enough lenience to uh you know what the will of the books are um i think that maybe we see him redirect in that way i don't really know i'm interested to see i don't think he turns good guy because i don't know anybody if it's thrawn and everybody else who the frick are they going to be fighting um yeah that's a good point that's a good point like who who you know what well, I mean? <laughs> Who's that's what there? I'm saying. If there, if if those interviews and different rumblings and different thoughts that are out there are true, 
if mm-hmm. there's some if there's a dark side power that is so strong that from outside the known galaxy it calls to Palpatine, you know, right. what is that? Right. I feel like I don't know. It seems like a lot of setup for that to for them to just introduce a new villain. Um, I mean, they've been building up to Thrawn since what Mando season two, really. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I think that Thrawn's probably going to end up being the big bad. I know that they're saying Mandoverse is going to kind of culminate in a film. I expect that to be the same storyline that we're looking at now with Ahsoka. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure, but I am very excited to see it. Yeah, I, I'm very interested. You know, we have three episodes left of this season. I assume there will be a second season. I don't think they're going to go from Mando season three to Ahsoka to a movie. Like, I think there's Mm going to be a, at least one more season of Ahsoka um, and maybe it'll be three seasons of Mando, two of Ahsoka and then a movie, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm very interested to see how this turns out. And at the end of the day, as long as he's portrayed well, and as long as I just want to see him make sense, yeah. I'm okay with him being fully bad. It doesn't like the way he was in legends. Yes. He was a full on bad guy. The way that he is now, especially according to the books, especially yep. the Ascendancy books. He's such They've a set hero. him up to be the hero of the Chiss Ascendancy. Yeah. Dude, imagine... He's the hero of his own story. With Yeah. Imagine the first time we get to hear out of Thrawn's mouth the Chiss Ascendancy. Shivers. It'll Shiver probably be timbers. up there with the first time I heard... Um... Shoot, my mind just went blank. It'll be up there with when I heard the first audio for our uh, our podcast. From from Mark? Yeah, from Mark. Yeah, that would be cool. If, if Thrawn shows up in episode six and it happens to line up with the 100th episode of our podcast, I'm going to try my mm-hmm. freaking darndest to reach out and see if he's available. It would be so cool to have our Thrawn on with us talking about Thrawn on our cool. 100th episode. It would be super cool. I mean, he's, um, he's always been the voice of Thrawn for me. So it was, yeah, absolutely. especially, you know, getting to talk to him and see, you know, what kind of caused him to redirect because the voices are, you know, slightly distinct between Heir to the Empire and then Thrawn in the, you know, Disney Thrawn trilogy. So um, he'll always be Thrawn in my heart. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I mean, that is so much. I mean, we have so much stuff going on, but what do I expect to see next week just in like 30 seconds? Um, I think we really are. I mean, it's hard to know what where else we can go back mm-hmm. home in the known galaxy because Balin and Sabine and Morgan Elsbeth and um, the freaking, what's that blonde girl's name? I can't remember Shin. her name. Shin. They're all headed to Thrawn. Ahsoka is... Here's the other thing that's kind of weird is that she doesn't really know that she's going to Thrawn and Ezra. Like, she could be going anywhere, you know? Um, I am very interested to see if Thrawn... Like, I love Thrawn to death. I think he's fantastic. Thrawn just coming back by himself isn't a threat to the New Republic. He's got to have something going on over there that makes him more of a threat. So I'm very, very interested to see what he's got going on. I don't think it's going to be like we show up and Thrawn and Ezra have been on Gilligan's Island for the last 10 years or however long it's been. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be some things that have happened. He's, if he's been there, if, if Rebels is like five years before A New Hope, and this is like five years after Return of the Jedi, I mean, he's been there somewhere between like 12 and 15 years, if I'm not mistaken, if my, if my, timeline math is correct so if thrawn's Mm -hmm. been somewhere for 10 to 15 years like he's going to be daggum established he's going to have plans in order he's going to have things ready to go and it's just a matter of what those things are and so i'm very Mm -hmm. excited to see what that looks like in legends and maybe this i think this would be a good short but in legends um it was using the cloning materials from the clone wars that nobody knew about that everybody thought were gone called the spaarty clones Mm -hmm. which the the spelling of that is s-p-a-a-r-t-i and for whatever reason zon if there was a clone of something they had two 
vowels in their name, like Luke would be Luke. So I think um, part of that is Jorus there's a mathematical like, property Jorus when Sabaeus you derive Jorus. something from something else. It would be like, right, it would be like A, the derivative of A would be A prime, and it's an apostrophe. I think that that is where he, he's a very mathematically minded individual. I think that's where he pulls that from. Yeah. So my thing is, in the Star Wars timeline, yes, it's been like 30 whatever years since the Clone Wars. So he could still have a clone army or whatever. And in our time, like we're still very familiar and have spent a lot of time with cloning, clone wars, Bad Batch is still going on, what's going on in Mount Tantis, will Mount Tantis be relevant in Ahsoka, all this other stuff. But we know ultimately Mount Tantis is really kind of going towards, feels like they're kind of using whatever will end up being on Exegol. Mm -hmm. So... Will Thrawn have a clone army and will it be clones like clone trooper clones or will it be a clone of Ezra or a clone of somebody on the Chimera or will it be an army of something completely different? You know, is it going to be kind of we talked about a few weeks ago, like, is it like what Morak or Merrick, however you pronounce it, ended up being where it's Night Sister Magic reanimating a suit of armor is you know, is there just going to be like a sea of undead people? And, and right. that's the team up of Thrawn and Elsbeth to try to take back over the galaxy. Nobody knows. So any thoughts on that before we hit the road? You're the speculator, man. I'm just along for the ride. I, uh, I well, just like to see. see. <laughs> let's wait and see. I think he's going to have something up his sleeve. I think he's not just going to be out there like with Wilson, you know, cast away. Right. I think he's going to have all his wits about him. I think he's going to have a plan. Oh, and for I'm excited sure. to see what that is. Thrun is the. And only it's going to be. It's going to be so funny. It's going to be so funny how I've been. I've been rooting so hardcore for Ahsoka these first four episodes or or five episodes, and then as soon as Thrun shows up, I'm like, kill her, kill her with fire, Ooh, like kill her. Yeah, Ooh, I'm going to kill her. I'm going to be a hundred percent rooting for Thrun basically the yeah. last half of this season. So. Hey, if you've listened this long, thank you so much. Um, we're excited. We could go for another hour, but we're going to try to keep. We're, we're trying to. We're trying to mind our p's and q's. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Chiss Ascendancy Podcast. This is episode ninety nine. We're right on the cusp of that centennial. So thank you so much. Remember, the Force will be with you always. And remember, from the very first, the only family you have here is me. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>